I like meeting and talking to strangers. It's one of the perks of hosting this podcast. I met Grace at the airport in Rabat, Morocco. She was standing behind me in the baggage drop line. We were on the same flight to London and got to talking. She told me she was 19 and had taken a year off before starting university in order to volunteer abroad. I really enjoyed talking to her. She's poised and confident and self-aware, and it comes off almost immediately. There's a certain unbridled energy and positivity that comes with youth, and it's endearing. As time goes on, it's easy to lose that side of yourself, and talking to young people is a good reminder of that. I interviewed Grace in Kensington Palace Gardens. She talks about what motivated her to take a year off and what she gained from the experience. For our non-American listeners, I want to explain some terms you will hear during the interview. In the American educational system, a freshman is in grade 9 and is in their first year of high school. The UK equivalent is year 10. Students are usually between the ages of 14 and 15. A sophomore is between 15 and 16 and is in grade 10. A junior is between 16 and 17 and is in grade 11, and a senior turns 18 and is in their final year of high school. And just a final point before we begin, a bird rudely interrupted our conversation and we had to reset. You'll find that my voice is a little muted in the latter half of the interview. Hopefully, it doesn't detract too much from the content. I'm Yasmina Sikat, and you're listening to Not That Original, a podcast that brings you stories that may not be so different from your own. Where are you from, Grace? Uh, I grew up in Arlington, Virginia. I've lived there for 19 years, but it's, I kind of say when I travel that I grew up in D.C. just because it makes more sense to people. They don't know where Arlington is, but I love it there. Where did the idea of volunteering abroad come from? I actually get that question a lot, and people really think that I decided because I wasn't getting into schools and I didn't want to go to school, but really I just had a project in 11th grade English, a research project that started in February and ended in June. And essentially you just choose whatever you want to research. And this was a time when Obama was still in office and his daughter had announced that she was taking a year off. And all my friends were researching like medical marijuana and assisted suicide and really kind of in-depth scientific in some cases, depressing ideas. And I really wanted it to be something that I enjoyed learning about and enjoyed researching. And so I just, on a whim, was like, I'm going to research gap years. And then I did this whole presentation. I did this whole project on it, wrote a paper. And in all the data that I found, it was all positive. There's, there's no negative report of a gap year that I found on the internet. And then I kind of just ended my project and I just said, and I'm actually going to be taking a year off too. And I said it in my presentation um, and then I hadn't really thought it through when I said it and then I was like, oh, I really am going to take a year off. And so it started about 
14 months before I actually left is when I really began thinking about it. And what I thought I was going to do at the beginning has completely changed. What did you initially think you were going to do? I was kind of in an angsty phase at the end of junior year, and I was just like, I'm going to pack up, and I'm going to go to New Zealand, and I'm going to be an au pair for nine months and live with a family. And I'm one of six kids, so I have a lot of familiarity and, I guess you could say, repertoire when it comes to watching children. It's a comfort thing for me, so I was like, oh, I'll just be... I'll just be an au pair in another country. Because we've had people come and stay with us for little trips, like eight weeks and four weeks from other countries, and I've loved having them. And I just thought it would be a really cool experience. And then my mom kind of was like, you sort of have been watching kids for four years. Uh, so I don't know if you really want to do that. And I don't know if you really want to be in one place. So then I did some more research and then I kind of didn't think I was going to take a year off for a while because the college process was so horrible for me and all-encompassing. But then it just fell into place, I guess. What was so horrible about the college process for you? I just wasn't as into it as I should have been. I really wasn't interested in looking at schools, like going to look at schools. And where I live is a very, very like heavily involved college town. You start preparing for college essentially when you become a freshman, uh, which I think is good. I think there are some, some good things about that, but I was really burned out and didn't really know where I wanted to go or what I wanted to do or even really why I was applying to the schools I was applying to. And I really wanted to take a year off and I just wanted to figure out where I was going to school the following year because my parents we're kind of like, you can take a year off, but you have to know where you're going to school before you take a year off. Like, you can't be applying to colleges while you're in another country. And I agree with that. I think it's important to have a safety net, and it's important to, that I get higher education and get a degree. And I just wasn't getting in, and I was getting deferred, and I was getting rejected, and all my friends were getting into schools that I wasn't getting into. And... I was, I was kind of, what was kind of worrying to me about myself was that I wasn't that upset that I wasn't getting into those schools. And then I got into one and I was going to go to the honors school there, but they wouldn't let me defer my acceptance or, or my enrollment. And then I got off the wait list at the school that my brother goes to and my parents met at. And we have big family history there. And I emailed them and I said, can I take a year off? And they said, sure, take it. And so I'm going there in August. Where are you going? I'm going to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, which I really wasn't excited about for a really long time. And I'm still getting excited about it. I'm getting more excited about it as I get closer to the date. But I'm just really thankful that I took the year off so that I could be excited about going to live in a place for four years. Do you know what you're going to major in? I've kind of been saying double major in English and social work for about a year and a half now. I really enjoy writing, and I love reading. Um, but I also absolutely love volunteering, and I absolutely love working with nonprofits. And if I ever want to get into the nonprofit sector in America and actually work with clients and work with counselors, I have to have a master's. So I would need to get my, my undergrad 
in that. And I think a double major would just be a good challenge for me. I, I do better when I have a lot more to focus on, which I don't know if that makes sense. That makes total sense. I, I, I have, the busier you are, the yeah, more you get done. Yeah, exactly. It just makes me more productive when there's more I have to get done. It makes me faster at what I do and hopefully better, but I'm not sure about that. But I understand why you decided to take a year off, but what part of that made you decide to just go abroad and not really take the easy way out, as in, you know, not just travel around, but to actually volunteer? Well, I'm really lucky in the sense that my parents got me involved with our church. I'm not necessarily the most religious person. I don't, I don't really know what I believe, and I think that has to do with my age. But my parents have taken us to church almost every Sunday that I've been alive, pretty much. Um, and my church is really great at outreach. We are just incredible at it and I'm really really happy that I grew up knowing some kind of foundation that just gives and gives all over the world. So when I was 15 I actually went to Tanzania without any of my family and some other older adults from my parish and I did a volunteer service trip there in a really rural village outside of Dodoma which is the capital of Tanzania and I loved it. I absolutely loved it and with my church I also have gone to the Rockaway beaches where Hurricane Sandy hit for four years. I did Habitat for Humanity. So these kind of, like volunteering is not something that's new to me and I really, really love it. I know that sounds so cliche to just be like, I love volunteering, but it's just really fulfilling work for me. I don't really care what it is. I just really like meeting the people that I'm helping. And I went back when I was 17 to Tanzania and I brought my mom and it was just one of the most humbling experiences I've ever had. They were like in the village of a couple thousand, they remembered my name and they said thank you. It was like I, I had fundraised about $3,000 to get 95 desks to the primary school and they arrived while I was there. And that was really, really just an awesome experience to have just a body of people be so grateful for such a small thing that I could do. So, I don't know, it's just something, I don't know if it's natural for me, but I know that I love it. And through all of this, I've just discovered that my favorite way to see a country is to volunteer in it, to actually not just see a place, but to immerse myself in it, to meet the people, to try and better understand the culture and the needs that they have. It, I think it's made me appreciate the value and a difference my culture is not better than your culture. My culture is just different than yours. And every place has its own struggles and its own challenges, but it doesn't mean it's not as good as where I grew up. Did you have to persuade your parents to let you go for a year? I kind of brought it up after my, that project that I did in the summer. I didn't tell my parents, I actually, I registered to be an au pair on like au pair, au pair worlds or something but silly like that, and just like didn't think about it for a little while. And I told a few people about it, some of my closest friends, and they all were kind of like, yeah, yeah, of course, okay, sure. So I didn't tell my parents about registering to be an au pair, but I was at the beach, and one of our really good family friends that we only see every August wanted to know, you know, what I was thinking, what I wanted to do, where I was thinking of applying, what tours I had done, because when you're 
17, about to go into senior year. That's pretty much all anyone wants to know and talk to you about, which I'm sure every other 17-year-old can agree with me is kind of frustrating, but wonderful in its own way. But I kind of just said, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I might be taking a year off to travel. And I said it in front of my mom, and then she's like, yeah, but she's gonna, she's gonna apply and defer. She's gonna know where she's going to school, and then she's gonna defer. And um, it was kind of just like that, and I sort of talked to them about it. And my parents were basically like, if you plan it, if you figure it out, if you can do it by yourself, then you can do it. That's fine. And then I did, I planned it. So I don't, my parents, they couldn't really say no in a way. You decided to um, take a year off before your senior year. Yeah, so it wasn't just like a not getting in anywhere. I'm not happy. I'm just going to take a year off and travel and work. I don't know what I want to do with my life, even though I still don't really know what I want to do with my life. But I wanted to do it right. I wanted to make the most of the 10 months or the nine months that I am away from home, not focusing on my education in a classroom. Mm -hmm. um, and I said it on a whim when I did that project, which honestly, I'm so thankful that my teacher assigned me that project because I probably wouldn't have done it if she hadn't. But I read about it more on the internet and then I wrote about it. And then I kind of just decided in my mind, I was kind of like, this is what I'm doing. I don't know how I'm gonna do it, but I am gonna do it and that developed in its own crazy way. What did you expect from your travels? You know, it's hard to remember what, what I expected because every single place has been completely and totally different than what I thought it would be in the best way possible. But, you know, I've never been to Asia. I've never immersed myself in a culture like that before September. And every single place I went was totally different. It's just, it's hard to, it's hard to envision a place when you don't really know what even that kind of world is like. And I thought I would be more lonely than I was. I thought it would be harder for me to meet people. I thought it would be just such an out of body, different, hard experience, but it really was phenomenal. I don't know. It's hard to know what you're going to think before you go, and I think that's honestly one of the best ways to try and look at life, maybe. Like, I, I don't know what school's going to be like, so it's just, it, it's better for me to not have expectations. I mean, we all have expectations inherently for things, mm -hmm. but I didn't really know. And I'm really glad I didn't know because it's been such a great way for me to discover how much I love traveling, how much I love traveling by myself, and how much I love volunteering in different places. What countries did you go to? I started in Bali. Um, I went to every country for about a month. I started in Bali in September and then flew to Vietnam and then I flew to Sri Lanka and I went home for Christmas to see my family and a few of my friends. And then I left again and was in South Africa for most of January and February. I was in Morocco for about three and a half weeks. And I have been in London, in England, for 
almost five weeks on Thursday, which is crazy. What were you doing in the different countries? I think that that was the greatest decision I made because I made it my goal to try and do something different in every single place. I traveled not with an organization, but through an inter organization called International Volunteer HQ, which was set up by a man named Daniel Radcliffe in 2007. And he graduated school, if I'm remembering correctly, but, and he wanted to go volunteer. And a lot of companies online wanted to charge you exorbitant amounts of money to travel and to volunteer in a place. Like I looked at one program in India, it was like $4,000 for a month and just so much money. It just, doesn't make, it just doesn't make sense that it should cost that much money. But I found this organization and they have 35 different locations with over 50 different projects that you can go to and you can volunteer for as little as two weeks for as much as 12 weeks. But I have friends that have volunteered for eight months, six months in a place. So in Bali, I taught kindergarten to three, four, five-year-olds. Um, in Lavina for two weeks, and then I switched, and I lived in Ubud for two weeks, which I loved. I love little kids, and it was mostly like shapes and colors and beginning phrases in English, but I learned a lot about that culture and that language through those children. And then in Vietnam, I worked in a food shop, which basically, it's like, like a soup kitchen meets a restaurant. It's the best way that I can describe it to people. And I got up for work at 6.15 every day, and I got home from work at 2.30. And I loved it. It was my favorite placement. So were, were you cooking? So I did a little bit of cooking. It was more like meal prep. It was like chopping things and getting trays ready because on any given day we could serve 300 to 450 people mm -hmm. in an hour and a half service. We did really really quick turnaround. It was always really fast, really really hot. You're just you're just putting soup in bowls, you're giving people trays, you're making sure people have rice, you're making sure people have fish sauce. You're running into the kitchen to get more to get more stuff. You're saying is there any more fish and I have such a great appreciation now for the restaurant business, which I know sounds crazy, but the chefs that I worked with were just cooking in such great quantities for so many people so quickly. And then I, like, they would leave the service at 12.30. Our, our lunch service was from 11 to 12.30, and then we would clean the whole place, like mop it and clean all the tables and just have music playing. And I genuinely just had the greatest time of my life doing that, which I know sounds so crazy, just cleaning tables, but. So was it mostly run by uh, volunteers, staffed by volunteers? Yeah, so um, it's a really cool organization. It's not really linked with IVHQ, which is the organization that I essentially booked with, but it's a organization that has six different shops in the Ho Chi Minh area six different food shops for people that live below the poverty line or are homeless or just need help. And it's about 10 cents for, for a meal, which is really good. And the food is just amazing. Anyone from Ho Chi Minh can volunteer. So a lot of the people that work in the restaurant or in the food shop are full-time volunteers. Like I worked with a bunch of Vietnamese women that just, that just come to help. 
Um, and there was one girl, and she essentially set it up, and she's in her 20s, and she was just remarkable. How did you pay for your volunteering? Well, essentially, I looked at every place, decided how expensive it would be for a month, and talked to my parents. My parents essentially paid, have paid for the entire thing, but, you know, this is not a year instead of school. This is a year plus four years of higher education in the United States, which is expensive in its own right. So, and my parents are also helping me with undergrad, which I realize is just such a great luxury, especially after doing this year abroad, because Arlington is very much a county where parents fund a lot of things, especially school, especially higher education. And a lot of my friends that I met have paid their way through school, which is just something that I don't think I ever really thought about, which I know sounds really selfish and ungrateful, but it's just not entirely the culture that I grew up with. And also just imagining taking out $50,000 in loans a year is just not something that ever really went through my mind. I'm hoping that they let me pay them back for the experience that I had. I don't really think I could put a, a number on what I've done. I don't really think it's quanti quantifiable like that, but. It would in terms of the value? Yeah, I've just gotten a lot, like a lot more than, which I know, I don't know how that sounds, but I'm just hoping eventually they'll let me pay for the number. I would really like to give them, or even just give them an experience sort of like this, whether that means they get to take a trip or they get to do something that they've always wanted to do. I don't think necessarily the only way to pay someone back is with money, but yeah. I definitely am thankful that they let me do it and that I am in a position where I could do it. What did you want out of your experience abroad? I got a lot. Um, I'm from a big family. I'm the second oldest, so I've had a lot of responsibility my entire life, which I love. I love having a younger sister that's five um, and just having friends all the time. I always have a friend in my house, which is just so great, but I'm, I'd never really done something so explicitly for myself, which is kind of why I needed it. Just being one of six comes with a lot of responsibility that none of my friends will ever know. And it's something I'm really, really thankful I grew up with. But at the same time, it became such a comfort thing for me, like hanging out with and going to the grocery store with and picking up and driving. And I, I was so stuck in such a routine, which just has to happen. Our life is planned. Our life has to be on the calendar. Um, on any given day, my mom is driving in a car for at least an hour and a half, picking up and bringing children somewhere. Uh -huh. um, and I did not do half as much as she's done. I was really comfortable, and I wanted to make myself uncomfortable. And I wanted to push myself out of my comfort zone. But really, more than anything, I wanted to figure out why I was getting a degree which I know sounds crazy, but if I'm going to go to school for $50,000, then I need to be sure when I go that I understand why my parents 
are spending $50,000 for me to go. I want to be sure why I'm in a class I'm in, what, why I'm interested in that class. So why are you going? Because I think it's the right thing for me right now. And I do miss the traditional class. I do miss sitting in and I know I'm going to love the classes that I take, but I think that I might put a lot more energy towards getting something done. It's also just made me appreciate more that school is not for everyone. Yeah. Um, a traditional setting is not for everyone. I've met a lot of people that are very successful and very happy in their own right. Um, and they haven't done the traditional go to school right out, of, right out of school, like finish school and go right back, which I think is it's just so ingrained in where I live that a lot of people think that if you don't pursue higher education at the college level or that you're less of a person, but it's just made me realize that some people can be happy not doing that. What was the most challenging part of your experience? It hasn't really been challenging necessarily. I mean, I've been challenged, definitely, but it hasn't really been hard. I don't know, just... Did you get homesick? No, weirdly, <laughs> which sounds like... I don't know, I got to Bali, expected to be really sad, expected to be kind of like, what am I doing? Why am I here? And I never really had that. I never really had, had that moment. It just kind of made sense. It was like, I'm here because I'm here. I'm here because I'm supposed to be here. And that was a challenge actually, just, just trying to remind myself that where I was in the present was where I was supposed to be in that given moment. Mm -hmm. um, like even leaving places, I wasn't really ready to leave certain places. And What were your favorite places? I wasn't ready to leave South Africa. I loved South Africa, I loved my friends. Cape Town is such a vibrant, interesting, beautiful place to live. But it's kind of, it was kind of like I didn't want to go, but I knew I had another job to do, mm -hmm. and I had a plane to catch, so it was time to go, whether or not I wanted to. But uh, I really loved Vietnam, and I really, really, really struggled leaving. It was really hard. What did you like about it? I just felt like I had such purpose. I loved working in the food shop. Uh -huh. And I just really met some of the greatest friends of my entire life. And having to say, having to say goodbye to that foundation and that structure of people that I surrounded myself with for an entire month mm -hmm. and having to kind of start fresh and build new relationships and live in a different home with people I didn't know was really difficult. I struggled a lot, but I was also really lucky to find people in Sri Lanka that I love just as much as I love the people that I had in Vietnam. And kind of realizing that, realizing that I can go anywhere in the world and meet people that I'm gonna love and I'm gonna wanna talk to for the rest of my life. Build a relationship. Yeah, like it's just, that's what I think is so phenomenal, and that's what I think is just so amazing, is that I can, I can go anywhere and I can find people that are, like, now some of my closest friends. They don't have to be from D.C., they don't have to be from Arlington. I don't have to go to school with them. They can have different political views as me. They can 
want totally different things out of life, but we still get along really well. And distance doesn't really affect that, which is just such a gift. Was it challenging being a solo female traveler? Yes and no. I find that it's kind of hard to be a, a woman in any culture. I have been catcalled in every single country, seven for seven. Um, I'm going to Ireland next month, so we'll see if that happens there. If you're including London, England. And oh yeah, okay. you gotta include it. You know, there have been moments in Sri Lanka, I was followed a few times, but part of me is like, I don't speak Sinhala, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know the language. I don't speak Arabic. Um, so when I was in Morocco, a lot of times I could not, I was just like, I know you're saying something, but I don't know what you're saying and I can ignore it. But I also do speak French. So I got a few of like, I got a little bit where I was like, that was really rude of you. Um, I've, I've had a few really scary experiences, been grabbed a few times, but I think that's just made me more self-aware and made me more thankful that I grew up in a society where my gender doesn't really inhibit what I can do. Uh, I can go outside. I can go to school. I can be with somebody else and not have anyone say anything about it. And I grew up in a family where I'm respected and my brothers are respected and my younger sister is respected. And I don't know, a lot of times in these places, I think women don't feel like they have the short end of the straw just because that's the culture that they were born into. And as much as it makes me sad that, you know, the host mother that I had in Morocco was married when she was 14 and had a child when she was 17. It also doesn't make me sad for her because she has a life that she loves and she has two daughters that she adores and she's still an incredibly kind, incredibly hilarious and giving person. And just because I grew up in a different place and and think that my rights should be different and more respected. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I just, it doesn't make me hate Morocco. I love Morocco, even though a lot of the cultural attitudes towards me as a Western woman traveling alone were some, not something that I enjoyed. Did most of the times you were grabbed? Was that in Morocco? Yes, I was um, followed into a dark alley by two men well into their 30s in Morocco, in uh, Medina and Marrakesh, which was not fun. No, um, it was scary, but more than anything, it was just really frustrating for me because I pride myself on being someone that I think has ample intelligence. I think I'm you know, I'm not a genius, but I'm also not an idiot. And for them to think that I would just go into an alley by myself in the dark with no one else around. And then when I did get mad, their reaction was less than pleasing. It was more of an anger thing. It was more of a, you don't respect me enough to think that I wouldn't think that this is stupid for me to follow you into an alley when I don't know you. And it's not that I don't respect those men because, you know, I don't know those men, I can't make that statement, but I was just not comfortable. Yeah. And they didn't respect that I wasn't comfortable and that's what bothers me. No, I understand.
but yes, it was predominantly in, in Morocco. But I mean, it happened everywhere. It happens everywhere every day for women, yeah. which I don't think a lot of people realize. So not everyone has the maturity or the resourceful, <laughs> resourcefulness to, um, to do what you did and to just travel um, in places that aren't, that aren't, you know, always necessarily very safe. And what do you think it takes to, to be able to do that? What are the skills? That <laughs> what are the skills? What are the skills you need? <laughs> I don't think there's a certain skill set. I really don't. I think, and maybe that's just because it comes easy to me. Uh, traveling by myself is not daunting for me. I wasn't scared about leaving. I wasn't scared about getting on the planes. I love traveling alone, like physically in a plane by myself. It's my favorite thing. I was scared of leaving my comfort zone, which I think is the same for a lot of people. You just have to jump into it. I don't know. Like, you have to be okay with letting yourself just do something because you just really want to do it and giving yourself the leeway and the understanding that everything that you do is your choice and you're responsible for every action and every person and everything that you do while you're away. I don't think there's a certain skill set. I don't think you have to be brave enough. I don't think you have to have a love for different cultures. I genuinely think anybody can get on a plane and go see the world. Did you learn any lessons? You know, a lot of people ask, ask me that. What have I learned? What am I gonna take away? And I don't, and you, know, you hear that a lot when it comes to gap years. What are you looking to go out from the experience? And I just, I don't know. You know, I'm sure there are things I've learned. I'm sure that I've grown in ways that I wouldn't have grown had I gone straight to college. I'd like to say that I'm a way more polished individual, know what I want, know what I want to do with my life. Um, but I don't. And I kind of just really figured out what I want to be, who I want to be, and that's kind of translated into the person that I am right now. And I've never been more comfortable with who I am than I am right now. So that's not really a lesson, but I've just kind of accepted who I am as an individual. And I kind of like who I am as an individual. So maybe that's what I learned. What surprised you most? How easy it is for me to pack up and leave a place. But also how quickly I can make lasting relationships. And I know I already spoke to it earlier, but just how I can find people that really understand who I am and we really get along everywhere, which I didn't think I would find. Now that you're done traveling, what are you missing the most? The volunteering. I really miss volunteering. Um, it's actually been kind of hard for me not to be volunteering. But you can do that anywhere. Yeah, I think yes, but I also think no. How so? Um, just because when you're in the moment, that's, that's what you do. That's your day. Like in South Africa, I woke up at seven every morning, went to school at 7.30 and my day didn't end until five. Your entire life revolves around doing something for somebody else. 
And when you really love what you're doing for somebody else and then you stop doing that all of a sudden, it's kind of it's kind of hard. I kind of miss how fulfilled I felt when I was volunteering. And I really just miss my friends. Um, but part of me is like, it's good that I did a month in each place. It's good that I ended when I ended because I wasn't ready to leave in every spot that I was. I wanted another week. I wanted another two weeks. You've done so much in one year. Are you afraid of getting bored in university? Getting itchy feet? <laughs> Everyone keeps telling me that. Everyone's like, you're gonna hate school. Um, but no, you know, I'm going to a university that has a million different volunteer opportunities, a million different circles, and a bunch of children, a bunch of people that I'm just going to be living with. Like, it's a huge school. I say children because young adults is a, is a big word for 18-year-olds. Um, I don't know. I'm not worried. I am hesitant, but I'm not worried. I think also I've learned how to be comfortable in any setting while I've been traveling, just because you sort of have to be. It's like, this is where I'm sleeping tonight. It's a bed. It's good enough. These are the people I have with me. They're good. Um, I'm not really worried about being bored or wanting to get up and pack and leave and go away again, because I know that I'll have that chance again in life. And I know it won't be the exact same, but I don't think it should be the exact same. I think that, again, there's value in a difference. And I'm trying to remind myself that all the time. How has your year affected your perspective on your position of privilege? I know I'm very privileged. Growing up in a family with a lot of kids in a nice area with great schools and supportive parents and supportive family is such a gift. And I'm in a position in my society because I'm white that a, a lot of other women don't know. And I also try and remind myself that all the time. But I also just don't think that my life is necessarily better or that I'm luckier than anyone else. Um, I think that seeing another place and seeing a new culture has been so important for me because everyone thinks that their idea of normal is normal. And that's just not true. Everyone lives different lives. Thanks for listening to Not That Original. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and feel free to share this podcast.